people, welcome. It was our first year of marriage, and Mike and I had been about nine months in and realized we needed counseling because of some of the different family dynamics we were experiencing at the time, and they were affecting our marriage. And so we started going to counseling. And in the midst of that, I was praying for patience. And we were driving in the Chicagoland area, which is where we were living and where we were both from. We lived in a suburb about 45 minutes from Chicago, and our counselor was in a different suburb, which was 25 minutes away. And there was one really quick path. There was one street, but if you know anything about Chicago, there is always road construction. There is never not a day that there's road construction. There is always road construction happening. So we are headed to our counselor, and we are late. And there is road construction happening, and it is summer, and it is hot, and I am irritated, and I am driving, and I know that I see the path next to me. The lane next to me is going faster, and if I just get over that lane, we are going to get there maybe one minute late, but we will get there, and we will probably make it on time. Well, as if we were the issue, I go into the other lane, and that lane stops, and I look over at Mike, and I'm like, oh, this is so frustrating, and he looks at me and says, isn't it funny how you're praying for patience? Well... The look on my face was a nicer version of the look that I shot to him and said, yeah. And I swore to myself in that moment that I would never pray for patience again because I was not going to have these lessons anymore in my life. <laughs> well, I say that because I bet some of us can understand that viewpoint, but if not, maybe not that one. Maybe you can understand a few of these from this video today. Someone prays for patience. You think God gives them patience? Or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? The word patience means to wait in a calm way. Yes. Now, Elmo really wants to play basketball. Yes, Elmo does. But look at Elmo. He's waiting in a calm way. So he's showing... Patience. That's it. At this rate, we'll never get to the fall. Here, Bert. Uh. Get... Uh. Wanda. 
boxer shorts at Kmart. Raymond, that is final. Did you hear me? It's going to be short. to some of those. If you have kids, there might have been annoying noises or maybe those times that you're with people. And my dad has a story where he was driving with my grandpa down to Florida. He was moving him down there and the entire ride, the air conditioner's out and he's just throwing his change in his hand the entire time. And my dad was like, I was about to freak out on him. And so all of us can have some kind of story about patience, I'm sure. But the interesting thing that we've learned about the last few weeks and we've heard from Tom and Darren and we've heard from Kathy is that really patience is a part of this greater beauty of how love is described. See, the fruit of the Spirit is love and then it goes on to all these different descriptors, joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of the Spirit. And we're never to set any of those things above. We're supposed to honor each other and love each other well by displaying love in all these different ways. Well, if any of those mingling fruits together and the beautiful garden is off, then we have to pose the question, how are we actually loving? Well, I'm here to tell you that this has been a very hard series for me because I love the fruit of the Spirit. I've loved how I learned it for years. I've loved that every fruit had a different fruit correlated with it. I mean, there's a, there's a kid's song, the fruit of the Spirit's not a coconut. And then you talk about every different fruit and how there's all these fruits that like, there's a pomegranate that goes with this fruit and there. Anyways, I've loved the fruits of the spirit, but for the first time it's being redefined and it's made me feel uncomfortable. But part of the reality for me is I'm in this season where the Lord is redefining quite a bit and it's making me uncomfortable because the things I knew and that were packaged really well in the bunches I've known and held onto for years are no longer there. The Lord's opening new doors and new understandings and I'm trying to figure out inside of me what's happening. And so I have the word patience. And as I studied more and more, I realized that the truth was I can't talk about this word in any way like an expert. Because one of the interesting defining pieces of patience that I've learned in the last bit is that patience has, has somewhat to do with enduring but it's often described as being a short fuse. Do you have a long fuse or a short fuse? And now that makes me uncomfortable. So in, in the Greek, the word for patience is macrothermia. Macro meaning long, thumos meaning temper. The definition is an ability to face trouble without blowing up or hitting out. The opposite is resentment toward God or towards others. Well, those people are the reason that I'm like this. They're the reason, God's the reason I'm not patient right now. He's not answering my prayers. The counterfeits are cynicism and lack of care. I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, it's easier to be like, well, if I just don't care enough about things, then we'll be all okay. But none of those are descriptors of who God is. See, I never realized that patience was actually has more to do with anger than it does to do with enduring a situation. 
And I think the reason I have had a hard time processing this word is the truth that I actually struggle with anger. And I've been scared to share that with you as my church family. Because for me, anger is kind of my go-to emotion. So those I love don't know that I'm loving them well because I immediately choose anger. See, I am not a long-fuse person. I, I was trying to think of images of long-fuse, and the only thing I could think of was all the different Tom and Jerry cartoons where like they, there's this long fuse and you can see it coming and then, oh my goodness, what is gonna happen? And of course it explodes. But that is the difference between a long fuse and a short fuse. Because a long fuse, you have the process, you see the process happening and you get to figure out your emotions. You get to think and feel and observe, is this the right response for this time? You get to calm down for a second and take a step back and think about the implications of that emotion. But when you're a short fuse, you just react. So some people might say, well, you might be that way because, well, you love those people. They see the worst of you. And that's true. I love those people. But when the people I love may not know I love them because I'm angry, well, then there's a concern that's happening in that. Because I have a short fuse. So a couple weeks ago, the Lord, as I was processing more and more into this and feeling less and less comfortable needing to deliver anything and semi-hoping I would get sick so I didn't have to, um, I asked the girls, do you know that mommy loves you? And they said, we do, but sometimes we're scared that you'll get frustrated with us and that directs how we act towards you. See, in our house, it doesn't matter if you're 5, 8, or 33, if you're not on the train that I'm on, if you're not doing the things that I'm doing, if I have to explain myself more than once, if we have to backtrack in any way, if you're not listening to me, if I feel disrespected, if I'm repeating myself, if we are not moving forward, then my fuse is fast. And you will know. But mommy said this, and I'll say it with a smile, but my fuse is short. I think the saddest part for me that I've realized the last few weeks is that I don't know when this behavior became okay. I don't know if I've actually ever had a long fuse. I shared a couple weeks ago that I am Puerto Rican and we can say that I'm full of flavor and spice and all of that, but the truth is, I don't know that short fuses are classified as being Puerto Rican necessarily. And like I said, if love is characterized by patience, then I'm not loving well. And my garden is not looking pretty. It might be dying. In J.J. Parker's book, Knowing and Doing the Will of God, he shares, love is the Christ-like reaction to people's malice. Joy is the Christ-like reaction to depressing circumstances. Peace is the Christ-like reaction to troubles and threats and invitations to anxiety. Patience is the Christ-like reaction to all that is maddening. Kindness is the Christ-like reaction to all that are unkind. Goodness is the Christ-like reaction to bad people and bad behavior. Faithfulness and gentleness are the Christ-like reactions to lies and fury. Self-control is the Christ-like reaction to every situation that goes you to lose your cool and strike back. When looking at this list, how are you doing? When looking at this list, I know I'm not doing well. 
So our teaching team all got together um, right at the beginning of the series, and we were talking, actually, I uh, FaceTimed in, and they were listing off all these different attributes of the fruit of the Spirit and how we've always thought of it as all these numerous fruits, but it's really love. And then we looked at how... um, yeah, how each one has the Greek word and then what's the counterfeit. And by the time they were done with that whole thing and I'm listening in and they're talking about it and reading it together, I blurt out, well, I was even wondering during that time if I was a Christian. And I was semi-joking to make the mood less harsh, but semi-serious because my reactions may not be Christ-like all the time. And I think that's what this series has done to me. So I say that because here I am, not an expert. So if you were hoping to learn how to become patient, I'm not gonna give it to you, and I'm really sorry about that. I'm here to maybe give you permission to start reflecting maybe a little differently in this series. Because as much as it's hard for me to admit in front of my church family that I have a short fuse, I'm hopeful and anticipatory of a year from now when maybe my fuse has grown an inch longer. Maybe my fuse will no longer immediately be flipped as soon as my kids don't listen the first time. Yes, I know they're five and eight. Yes, I I understand they're not teenagers or adults. We had this one moment where we were going on vacation and I had just come back from Haiti with students and we left very early the very next morning we got back and I looked at Mike in the airport and I said, I've said no more times in the last 30 minutes than I did that entire trip. And he looked at me and he's like, yep, we have a five and an eight-year-old. That sounds about right. Well, anyways, the Christ-like reaction is what I long for in my life. I might be good at putting on a good mask, but my immediate responses are not Christ-like. And maybe you're not good with Christ-like responses, but you're also good at putting on a good mask. See, we want the fullness of Christ in us. We want our gardens to be beautiful. We want love to change and to be displayed in joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. And so in that, where are we loving? Where are you loving? See, the Christ-like reactions to those lists is, was Christ would say to turn the other cheek. Jesus was the hope of the world and he brought new hope. Jesus is the prince of peace and he allowed peace to reign. Jesus was slow to speak and quick to listen. Jesus showed honor and love to those that oftentimes weren't treated that way. Jesus pointed people to God when the rest of the world was condemning and shaming people. Jesus spoke truth and doused fires with love. Jesus allowed people to spit, yell, mock, beat him without even reacting because he was so patient. And today, my friends, I think that is the thing I've realized most is how patient God is with us. That's been a really hard thing for me to understand because there's sometimes these things where I'm like, well, he's God, he has to be patient with me. Well, the truth is he's God and he doesn't have to be patient with us. If he was God and wanted to do what he probably could do, we would all be done. He could have looked at creation and said, that's it. We've, I mean, look it, we messed it up. I mean, they messed it up, but we put them here and so forget it, let's just scratch it. But he didn't. See, God's love has always been so patient. One of the things I love about who God is is he doesn't force us to do things. He never has. He won't force you into relationship with you. 
He won't try to convince you to do something different. He waits for you to realize his love is so great and that that will complete it and that that is the life-changing moment for you to step into. He is not the forcer. He is not an abuser. His love's too big for that. God isn't patient because he doesn't do anything. God isn't patient because he is passive and doesn't care. God had one option and one thought, and that was to be in relationship with us. I kept, I kept circling this because the truth is God was already in relationship. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was already in relationship, but he wanted to be in relationship with humanity. He, they wanted to create together this beautiful beings that we are, and he could not wait to make a path back. And he was patient time and time again. That's why we see in the Old Testament that there is covenant after covenant, because after one covenant, he looked at the people and said, here's another one. I still want you. Here's another one. I still want you. I still want you. And then when none of those covenants would be satisfied, he said, all right, I love you so much that that's it. My son, he's taking care of it because I want you and I will patiently wait for you and you will realize how much I love you at some point. See, relationship has always been his goal. Dr. Jim Stone wrote in an article in 2014 about impatience in psychology today. And in this, argue, in this article, he argues that impatience is actually the prequel to patience. Kind of interesting, huh? That we don't ever have to display patience until we have to feel the tension of impatience. When we realize that our goals are going to cost us more than we thought that they would, we feel impatient. When we recognize that our expectations and the reality that we may be facing is different, we become impatient. Dr. Stone goes on to share that it is often in impatience that we make irrational decisions because we want to be in control of the situations again. And so those fuses become shorter and all of a sudden we might blow up, we might react. And impatience can be caused by too many options. One of the parts I found interesting in the article is that he talks about Cortez, who is a horrible man, but what he says is, Cortez knew what to do when he brought his people to the new world. He had to take the return to Europe option away. So he burned all the ships. The soldiers had no other choice. They had to not grow impatient because they were there and they need to figure out. They needed to problem solve. They had to continue in their mission. No matter how bad Cortez's goal is, it leaves us with something to wonder about. Maybe we have too many options. Maybe our options of limitlessness actually create impatience. So as you know, we've been in a series about exile. And I think it's a little bit of a hard concept because we live in Pella, if I'm honest with you. But I think the interesting place with exile is whether we live in Pella or Oski or Knoxville or Sully or Des Moines, any of the surrounding areas, if we live in Iowa, United States, that the truth is we're in exile no matter what because our home is not here, it's in heaven. And so automatically we're in exile because we weren't made for this home. We were made for heaven as our home. A friend of ours on staff, Kathy Deal, was sharing a story of a missionary who he um, didn't want to come to the United States and he was being sent here because he was so scared that he was going to lose his faith, that he was going to become apathetic to what was happening. And I, I've sat in that quite a bit because the truth is, 
when we feel really good about things and we say we're a Christian community, what are we actually living? Are we living the kingdom of God or are we living the comfort zone that we've created that feels Jesus-like? Because if heaven is our home, big things happen in heaven. Sickness is healed. Shame is destroyed. Lies no longer have chains. When we have heaven as our home, we live in the fullness of who we're created to be, and then our identity no longer is about the circumstances around us or the ways that we look or the things that we feel. It has only to do with Jesus and who he is in and through us. So we're automatically exiles. We're automatically not in heaven. Well, Thessalonians 5 says, Now, friends, we ask you to honor those leaders who work so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Okay, that's awkward for me to read. I understand that, just so you, just so you know. Like, being a, one of the leaders of the church, that's not what I'm saying. Honor me. That's not, okay, that's not what I was saying. Overwhelm them with appreciation. Okay, also awkward, not what I'm saying. But get along with yourselves, each of you, doing your part. Our counsel is that you warn the freeloaders to get a move on. Gently encourage the stragglers. Reach out to the exhausted, pulling them to their feet. Be patient with each other, attentive to individual needs. And be careful that when you get on each other's nerves, you don't just snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Paul in this passage was talking to the Thessalonian church because they had become so similar to the world. They were no longer bringing the kingdom of heaven in the same ways that they once were. Just a few books before that in Acts, we see in Acts 2 that people were coming to the church simply by the way that they loved and cared well, and that was no longer the defining point of the church of Thessalonica. And so he was encouraging them to understand why they were there. What was their purpose? To love and love well. To be people that were patient. To be people that were different than what the world was offering. Because when I look around the world, we see impatience. That's why we get offended so easily. It's why we make decisions when we don't like one thing, we jump into another thing because we're just impatient. We've become so accustomed to the instant gratification that it's easier for us to go towards that than to wait for the best the Lord might have. So what if the Lord asked us to stay? What if the Lord asked us not to react? For the church of Thessalonica, Paul thought that was such a significant piece that that would be changing, that that territory would change so much if they just became a little more patient and didn't have that short fuse and began to love through the display of patience. Paul shares how having a long fuse will be so countercultural. We had, Mike and I had this professor in college that talked about when we are, in, that oftentimes when we're in the world, we have a choice to make. Are we going to entrench ourselves, build boxes and say, this is our little holy huddle where no one else can enter. We feel really comfortable. Everyone else is similar to us. We think the same way. We act the same way. We do everything the same. We sing the same songs. We pray the same way. Um, sorry, my thought in my, my brain in that moment was there was a time where Mike jumped in in a conversation I was having with a staff person and there was like five of us and we were all like saying the exact same things and he's like, 
you were all speaking English, but a different language because I had no idea what was happening in that conversation. But that can happen when we're all doing the same things all the time, when we're entrenched. But then there's this other part where we might be embracing fully. Well, we don't want to we don't want to fully be entrenched. So let's just be a part of the culture. We can be a light in the culture. We'll be fully in the culture. It's okay if we do this because it's not fully interacting or interfering with our relationship with God. So we can embrace. But what he was getting at, our professor was, what is the way for us to engage both our Christian faith and who God is? How do we sit in that tension well? And that's what Paul was saying. How do you counterculturally sit in the tension instead of immediately losing your faith or immediately saying, my faith does not agree with any of this and you have no part of my faith, how do you be both to an area that is in exile? To a society that is unbalanced, how does the church display balance and beauty and forgiveness and invitation? Because the love of Christ actually encourages us to be different because we understand the full story. We know the full truth. We know the full patience. We are transformed beings. We understand the end game. We understand that this is not our home and heaven is, and we get to invite people into that new home. Early, early this morning, I woke up and I thought, man, Satan's always been after patience. From the moment the garden happened, He's always gone after patience. It's the way he came up to Adam and Eve and said, did God really tell you not to eat that tree? See, if Satan goes after patience as much as he does, then there has to be something significant about patience. There has to be something about who God fully is in patience that Satan doesn't want us to to display, to reveal. Because if patience is that big of a deal, that that would be his number one tactic right out of the gate, then that has to mean something today. God has an endless fuse. He is the most patient. He has one plan in mind when he created us humanity. And it was a plan for relationship and connection. It is why he made, the way after, he made a way after way for relationship to be restored. It is why Jesus came to be our restorer of relationship. God could have said, forget it, but instead he created people. He didn't come to earth just to say, you screwed up, you should have done better. He came to earth to say, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, follow me. Hey, there's still room in my father's house. Follow me. I can heal your disease. Follow me. I see you in your desperate place. Come, let me rescue you. I will be the one that has the final say on that destiny that you've so desperately wanted to know about. I will help you see again. I am everything you've ever needed. And I think the most incredible thing is he actually not only says that, he says that we get to say that to invite people to him. See, my lack of patience is actually the tension I live between waiting and wanting control and being in full surrender. If I'm fully surrendered to the kingdom of God, well, patience will automatically come out of the love that I show and display. 
But when I feel in control or I want control or I need control in some way, then I will do anything to grasp for control. I begin to look, I begin to seek out immediate answers to solve problems. When I am in a place where my fuse is really short, I snap at people, I snap at God, I'm hard on myself, and immediately that should be my time in my life to know, God, I need you to examine my heart today. Because patience is the one thing that can be covered easily. It's the one thing that we can hide behind the mask and as long as we have a smile, we can convince ourselves that it's not that big of a deal. And as long as we have a nice tone and not a strong tone, well, people won't know that I'm actually freaking out on inside because no one's listening to me. Patience is the short fuse that can grow longer. So today I wanna to invite us into a practice called examine. And like I said, I am not an expert on patience, obviously, <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. So obviously I'm not an expert on patience, but I'm hopeful and anticipatory. And that is what the Lord keeps saying to me, be hopeful and anticipatory of a year from now. That is what Kevin has said to our teaching team. Don't look at things just for the day, look at it for a decade. Look at it for a year. What has the Lord done? Because in that day, we can easily be so consumed with all the wrongs. But the truth is, in a year or a decade, mighty things happen. We become different people. So in that, I wanna invite us into examine. We, you've heard this a few times. We talk about this. We do this sometimes in service where we get to reflect on what the Lord's doing and, and examine our hearts and our, the motivations of our hearts. But the best part is we get to slow down. We get to connect our mind, body, soul, and spirit. And we get to ask God, where am I at? Where have you seen me today? There's a verse in 1 Peter that says, God is the most careful with us. I love that. Because sometimes it doesn't feel that way. And sometimes I believe the lie that he's not, but he is the most careful. So even when he reveals where I've been anxious, where I have been a short fuse, he's the most careful in that direction. So like I said, I wanna invite us into examine. So here's the deal. There are stacks of these in the back. You are probably going to want one for this process. You may wanna get up now and do that. And worship team, you can come on up. So I wanna invite us into celebrating and rejoicing that God is patient, he always has been, he always will be. I wanna give us permission to allow God to show us if we have short fuses. Some of you may not, and I wanna celebrate that in you, that's incredible. 
But I also want us to know and not just stay in that place of, oh great, I have a short fuse. But I want us to ask for forgiveness and to enter into resolve with the Lord. Because his promise is that he washes us as clean as so. And as soon as we ask for forgiveness, he does it. And I want us to trust that. We don't need to beat ourselves up about it. We are in progress. A year from now, we will be different people. A decade from now, we will be even more transformed as beings. And we get to celebrate those things. So we're gonna spend a couple minutes. It literally tells you what to do. When you're ready and after I pray, you the permission and invitation is to recall that you are in God's presence. And then to look at your last week with gratitude, thank the Lord, where has he been? Where have you seen him? And then ask for the light from the Holy Spirit to understand who we are as people and as beings. And then to look at our last week, where have we had maybe short fuses or whatever else you wanna ask the Lord, ask him that in the last week. What do you want to show me? And then pray words of forgiveness and resolve. Trusting that he is the forgiver and he is our resolution. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for the ways that you show great patience to us. Will you continue to show us what that means? God, I pray for a new vulnerability today with you. Maybe some of my brothers and sisters here are like me and have been too afraid to show this part to you. So I God, so God, I pray that there's peace and invitation. Thank you that you are the most careful with us. May we see your careful hand as you guide us through this practice of example.